Welcome to PhD with Women on It, Hack the Future. My name is Beata Young and today's PhD Positivity Hack delivered will be by our guest, Krista Kim. Topic, how the metaverse will is revolutionizing mental health. I'm sorry about that. I am just in the middle of roller coaster uh, with some mental health issues um not so much for me but i think it will be a calming down moment for all of us because krista has beautiful voice our guest is really going to inspire you to look after your mental health whether it's on metaverse whether it's in digital space or whether it is in real life Episode 101 starts here. Let me remind you, this is a grassroots community that focuses on women on IT, an inclusive forum of women in technology, startups, and female leaders who are supported by men as well. And I bring heart to that hustle because empathy is my mojo. And empathy is critical when you are revolutionizing mental health. Let me just tell you what's been happening in the world of technology for women in tech. Congratulations to Rupo Tanavala for winning the 24th annual TechPoint Mira Awards 2023 in downtown Indianapolis last Saturday. May you continue to inspire others. Kudos to Sadiria Gorece, a co-founder of Blind Look, who has been selected among Europe's top female entrepreneurs in technology through the Women Tech EU program. Now let's go back to our topic, how the metaverse is helping with your mental health. The metaverse is a virtual space where people can interact with each other and digital objects in a shared immersive environment. It's a world that's rapidly growing and expanding and it has the potential to help many aspects of our lives, including mental health. For Positivity Hack Delivered episode 101, we are exploring the exciting ways in which the metaverse is transforming mental health with our guest Krista Kim, an acclaimed creator and pioneer in the metaverse space, who has first-hand experience of deploying the power of virtual reality and other technologies to address mental health challenges. Krista is a contemporary artist, co-founder of Zero Point XYZ and founder of Techism. Whether you're already familiar with the metaverse or just curious about its potential to transform our, our well-being, this episode needs not to be missed. Join us, ask questions, talk to us whether today or whether sometime in the future, digitally or in real life. Krista, let's start with a simple question. As I said, I'm in the middle of Poland because I had to attend family emergency. And how about you? Where in the world are you today? Uh, I'm based in Los Angeles and big heart to you. <laughs> oh, fabulous. I love that color of your nails. Thank you. So, 
speaking about metaverse, speaking about virtual world, we can talk to each other, we can discuss our uh, color of nails, and we can connect via this virtual space. Um, tell us what attracted you to metaverse? Well, it was uh, during the height of the COVID crisis when I started to daydream about creating my dream home. And I wanted to visit this home in virtual reality because everyone was under global lockdown. And so I started to create this, uh, this house, the Mars house in Unreal Engine 4.2 at that time. That was the, the latest version of Unreal Engine, which is a gaming developing platform for creating high resolution um, you know, installations in virtual reality. And so through that process, I was able to integrate my, my artwork, which is a part of the architecture. The ceiling and the floor are integrated with my gradient video artwork in the back of behind me. You can see one of my algorithmic paintings. What I do to create the videos is I create um, a series of paintings that actually are animated and they generate into one another uh, with uh, healing sound frequency music and so it becomes um, an experience of zen and i i'm always fascinated with how light and sound alters the brain and can create a zen state of consciousness so i integrated on the ceiling and the floor of the design of the mars house my video artwork and i was very happy with the result and so it was in March of 2021 when I decided to mint it as an NFT and sell it on the SuperRare platform. And uh, it became a global sensation because it sold for a record sale of 288 ETH. That's equivalent to 500,000 US dollars. And uh, it was a, a very interesting journey. And ever since that moment, um, that was when I understood that the technology of blockchain and NFTs allows you to attach value to a digital asset. And those digital assets can be the deed to your home. It could be a 3D file. It could be a JPEG. And in the going into the future, it will become 3D digital assets that are powered by AI. So we understand that blockchain and NFTs is truly transforming what uh, the definition of a, of a digital asset is, is creating that entire asset class and allows us to own digital assets, which allows us to build the metaverse itself. It's a very complex and so many layers uh, to yeah. blockchain and uh, to reality that is based not in the real world uh, and definitely uh, the time of lockdown helped us develop and connect and also uh, progress, uh, push forward um, our digital world. Uh, because, for example, I was really shocked after two years of not visiting Poland that everything or most of the things can be done uh, digitally here. Um, well, it's kind of became reality. People were pushed to do things digitally because there was no other way to do it from home. Uh, but for example, uh, just uh, last week, I saw a policeman hiding under the bushes um, and trying to measure 
the car speed with their drone camera mm -hmm. so <laughs> it's very interesting it's very also detrimental to mental health because let's face it nfts and all that hype about selling assets and uh, buying uh, you know beautiful art and you know how much you're going to earn with that beautiful art and how much you're going to lose um was quite detrimental to many people's health they bought something because the hype was very high and uh, so what's your take on that how can you not lose too much money in the metaverse you know what i actually i actually uh was very how would you say um uh, i was very cautious during the hype phase of the nft market uh many people asked me krista why don't you sell houses you know why why don't we have a many people proposed businesses to me where I would create houses for the metaverse and they would mm. be sold NFTs. And I said, no. <laughs> and <laughs> I knew that it would all become a bubble. Mm. And I also knew that uh, the hype phase of the NFT market, especially we have to differentiate between art on the blockchain, which is the Mars house. It's a work of art versus PFPs, which is not art, which is truly, you know, like a, a, a Ponzi scheme. If you look at it, most of the PFP projects, 99.9% .9 of them are completely worth nothing now. And I believe there was a lot of malintent in the space, a lot of greed, a lot of pump and dumps. Um, PFP projects are, are basically like projects, uh, like uh, there are so many projects on OpenSea. If you go on OpenSea, they are... 10,000 or 5,000 per series, and they have very um, unattractive, you know, not artistic, just graphics that people were selling, and uh, they are not categorized as art. Okay, I, I would mm. like to make that very clear. And unfortunately, because of the Board Ape Club, for example, uh, the Board Ape Club is the most famous PFP project. It is also the most successful, but only because they were able to raise private funding uh, for, for the, the, the company that now owns the, the project called Yuga Labs, okay? So that's the only project that is truly surviving aside from maybe a handful of others like Azuki um, and there, there are other female-led projects that are doing well. But overall, I think that the space was filled with greed and I understand it was bad for people's mental health because uh, people were really falling for a scam. And mm. I was not a party to that and I did not agree to that. What I do agree with is the future of NFTs because I understood that the technology is still too early to really create real value to society yet. So the real value comes when NFTs are developed enough for us to attach authenticity certificates to in real life products and that is now starting to become the new trend, the new use case for NFTs. And now it's also going to be the means by which we authenticate all kinds of our, our own personal data, um, our identities, uh, any kind of uh, information or data that needs to be authenticated can be done in the blockchain. 
Mm. And then on top of that, you have to think about creating the ecosystem first. The ecosystem of the open metaverse is not built yet. It is still engineering that needs to be created. It will take another two to three years to create a robust, scalable, open metaverse that's built on the blockchain, that has a creator's economy that's built on top. There's a company called Lamina One that was created by Neil Stevenson. Neil Stevenson is the author of um, Snow Crash, which is where he actually in created the metaverse itself. So this company is creating the protocols of the open metaverse on Avalanche blockchain. And that will allow creators to create on the layer two, on top of Lamina One projects, metaverse projects that they create that are uh, basically um, also in the blockchain so that every creator is remunerated for every sale, license or service that's provided. You could be creating uh, objects for sale or you could even provide services in the open metaverse as well and be remunerated immediately uh, on the mm. system. So this technology is not here yet, right? And the reason why the metaverse has not caught on yet is because it's not scalable yet to billions of people around the world at once. Right now you have gaming platforms that are low resolution, uh, but the future is high resolution, scalable for billions of people at one time. And that's when you're going to have a robust creators economy, when you have a healthy, robust ecosystem. And that is very important that's being built right now. So yes, it was kind of like, if you, if you can actually mirror the beginning of the dot-com bubble to the NFT bubble, very similar. Very similar, but isn't it too late to create an ecosystem now that um, some companies are leaving Metaverse? Uh, no, actually, it's only begun. I, <laughs> I actually don't think that um, there are companies like Meta that uh, tried to own the metaverse. And I think their strategy was, uh, was flawed because, first of all, they are not a company that's able to create. They're not a creative company. And the metaverse is an art project. And so you cannot just have technologists and engineers and a huge load of cash to buy right your way into the metaverse it doesn't work that way the metaverse is an ecosystem that is co collaborative co-creative and you can't own it the hmm. metaverse is like the internet can you own the internet no you can't the metaverse no. is simply the 3d spatialized internet so you could be a player a creator in the space but you cannot own the space and that is what and why meta's thought Yes. As the case of my art might be, quite often you don't understand it. So let's go to Olga Vasina's question. She plays a, a role on the what I mentioned. Uh, many companies are leaving, big uh, corporates are leaving Metaverse uh, after spending millions uh, of dollars. Yes. Are you saying we really need uh, DLT crypto version 2.0 and how do we link these items together? I don't know what DLT means. Can you please explain that? Distributed, uh, distributed ledger. 
technology. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And and that's the problem. You know, it's the convergence of all of these new technologies that are not prepared yet for scalability and for creating a robust creator's economy. The the metaverse will only thrive when you have creators that are part of the ecosystem that are remunerated on it. And that's when you have a a proper ecosystem that's built also on blockchain involving crypto. But you cannot depend on crypto now, okay? Because everything is unstable and new, right? So we have to take baby steps, a web 2.5 step before you go into a web 3.0, right? Because it's all about onboarding the rest of the world into, into the ecosystem. So yes, we are still integrating, as I said, Lamina One is one company that we are launching with. We're announcing the, uh, the partnership today, in fact. Um, we're going to have a press release today that we are partnering and they are the ones that are actually creating those integrated, not, um, integrated technologies of blockchain and metaverse. And yes, the distributed ledger is ex very, very uh, uh, important as well. But then you must also consider that AI convergence with the, this is a trilogy of AI, the metaverse and blockchain technology that's really going to push the metaverse into what it is supposed to be an open source, uh, an open source protocol, an open layer one um, ecosystem, that is the metaverse. Mm. So um, let me go back to Olga Vasina's previous question. I'm sorry if I'm jumping all around. Um, and I think you answered a little bit about the longevity of the metaverse. I mean, how do you perceive the longevity, uh, Olga asks. I mean, haven't we been there before with Second Life, which had an identical bubble and broadly disappeared? So I think that you're, you're, you're mistaken. I think a lot of people actually mistake the metaverse as single closed walled, and platform, clo closed walled platforms. The metaverse is basically the 3D spatialized internet. It is the next iteration of the internet. It is the next te technological advancement. So when you think about the metaverse, it, the open metaverse does not exist yet. But what we've had before are closed, uh, you know, um, meta spaces, okay? Mm -hmm. The metaverse will be that everybody on their smartphone, everybody on their AR devices, everybody's gonna have wearables very soon. Everybody in their VR goggles can step into a 3D spatialized internet. And that is the metaverse, a consistent layer that exists for digital experiences that are spatialized. It's a new technology. It's not a destination. It's simply a technological advancement, a new UX of, of, of uh, digital experiences user experience on 3D um, and it's very difficult as we know uh, if you were to explain it to a child what Facebook is you would struggle it's likewise with 3D virtual reality it's quite difficult but you nailed it down it's the future um, now virtual reality metaverse as we said before, it creates a lot of hype. How can it help your mental health? 
So basically, um, you know, I have always been an advocate of using all technology for uh, humanity and for well-being, whether it's a TV screen, whether it is a metaverse uh, installation. With science now, the convergence of AI and science, we can now create immersive experiences that are scientifically proven to mitigate anxiety through AI generative art. So art can become healing, but scientifically proven to do so. So we have all the technology that can develop this. And my company, Zero Studio, is, is heavily in, engaged in this space and collaborating with Dr. Srini Pillay and Deepak Chopra. Uh, Dr. Srini Pillay is a Harvard psychiatrist and, and psych, uh, neuroscientist who actually has a company called Roulay, R-E-U-L-A-Y.com. And uh, that company is creating VR experiences that mitigate anxiety. And so we are, we're basically at the forefront of engaging with AI technology, immersive experiences for the brain that's healthy. Now you could engage in immersive experiences with sound healing frequencies, uh, you know, to, to have like a three minute experience or 15 minute experience. If you're feeling stressed, you could go in VR or you could play it on your TV screen, right? So these are the kind of experiences that can play across platforms. It does not have to be uh, in VR necessarily, but VR is the most effective because the brain, when it is in, engaged in a VR experience, does not know what's real versus what is fake. It is tricked mm -hmm. into believing that is reality. So we can create beautiful experiences at the intersection of art. And I believe that art will play a great role in the new, the new uh, frontier of medicine, especially brain science, that's going to help us. Uh, because 85% of the world population does not meditate. And so what we can create is a meditative experience through art and deliver that across platforms into the metaverse. Well, uh, what you're saying is uh, so relatable right now, because as I mentioned, my mother had a stroke recently. And one thing the doctor said was, um, what after asking, what can I do? He told me, you can sing to her. So art is definitely playing a huge role. Uh, I took some albums to her, but with her ADHD, it's very difficult to get her focused. So singing definitely helps. And I can see, you know, in Metaverse, you can create, create a choir and you can do karaoke and so many things uh, that can help our mental health. Now, <clears throat> what else can be done with metaverse in terms of virtual reality in terms of virtual art gallery tell us well i actually believe that you know through you we are going to see a real uh a real uh, advancement in providing medical services through vr uh, I believe that uh, with the senior population that's growing, uh, the baby boomer population is becoming, you know, our, our elderly population now, and it's a very large portion of the entire world. And so I believe that this population can be better served through visiting their doctor and uh, getting, getting actual treatments and diagnostics through VR in virtual clinics instead of 
going to a hospital, which is actually very stressful and risky place to be for people of this age group. And the second thing is we can, right now we have a loneliness epidemic. Okay, mm -hmm. so the loneliness epidemic is causing the highest rates of suicide amongst young females, especially, and young males in history. We have the loneliest, most depressed, and most anxious population in human history. And that's a global phenomenon. And so universally across the world, we all can recognize, especially post-COVID, that mental health is a crisis around the world. And it's a lot of it also has to do with loneliness and loneliness that is brought upon us through our digital devices, through social media and the negative uh, effects on our, our mental health collectively. Children who are born into the social media age uh, are the ones that are suffering the most. And that's because they are not brought together by the algorithms. Uh, yes, we are connected more than ever through our digital devices, but as a humanity, the human connection is lost more than ever. And so what we need to do through the metaverse, what we have the opportunity to do is to connect with our avatar, first of all, and the avatar can be a mechanism for mental health, visualization of your ideal self and going through mental health journeys with other people as avatars, coming together, having a human connection. And you will be surprised that when you connect with other avatars in the metaverse, it is a spiritual experience. Human consciousness and the power of love and humanity transcends into the metaverse and it can become a digital experience. And that is a new phenomenon that I'm sure will become a new science going forward. The, the idea of becoming a meta human and the positive effects it can have when you create beautiful worlds that are safe, that are you know, built for compassion, where people can come together, not feel lonely. They could actually feel less inhibited to share their stories and to feel a sense of healing and community that we do not have right now in web two. I'm sorry, about... Can you hear yeah, me? I can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. I can I can see one thread to this ideal world, which is the real world is not quite ideal. So when you visualize yourself as this beautiful, spotless, uh, no wrinkles person, and then you look in the mirror, it may not be so beneficial to your mental health. How to avoid that? We can actually create a more realistic avatar, right? of who you are, an actual realistic depiction of you. And I think that you don't even have to look like a female. You could be a dolphin. You could be anything you want to be. I don't think that when you create an avatar, you're actually comparing yourself physically and creating these idealistic uh, physical attributes to your avatar. I think that it's more about expressing who you want to be, right? And if you're connecting your bio data to your avatar through your heartbeat and through other levels of information from your bio data that's connected directly to your avatar, then your avatar can actually become a diagnostics tool and actually reflect the improvements that you're making in your health in the beautification of your avatar and the expression of your avatar. And I think we can have wings. We can, we can basically, 
be riding a horse. We could do anything we want with our avatar, truly. And I think it's more of a, a creative exercise that is healthy because the more people become creative and visualize positively who they want to be, I think that it could be a really positive experience for people. Uh, I think it's uh, it, one of the roles to play for society is also change of mindset. Um, as we know, there are so many people now coming out of the closet thinking, you know, it's time is up. It's really, I want to express myself the way I am. And, um, you know, it communities catch up on that. Um, I think it takes a lot of time in some um, spaces, some universes, whether it's metaverse, whether it's a real world. Um, but what's the role of communities as a, um, you know, sounding board, as a policing board in the metaverse? I think that um, basically it's when you start, I think there's a lot of testing and learning that has to be done in the space. And I think that what we do is you create, you know, for example, with Dr. Srini Pillay and with Deepak, we want to create programs for groups of people that are powered by AI. And so they have an AI intelligent avatar that leads people through certain parts of a program, a multi-step program over five days, for example, three to five days. And you go into experiences that are programmed that are led, okay? And so they're controlled, they're led through programs, led through lessons. And these activities are activities that are following, you know, really sort of traditional um, psychology, uh, therapy practices that are, you know, applicable to a metaverse uh, environment. And so, by creating these immersive experiences with groups of people, that's also powered by AI and monitored by AI. So AI is curating the space. AI is also controlling and curating what is allowed to be shared in the space as well. I think protecting people from negativity, protecting them from violence or abusive language or anything that would, uh, create stress and anxiety in the space will be completely controlled. And so that is the beauty of what we can do. And especially when you talk about young people, you're able to truly control that space and what they're exposed to. Well, <clears throat> I'm glad uh, that you're convinced that we can truly control the space, uh, the virtual space, and uh, we can get rid of the bad actors in the virtual reality or metaverse or online. Um, however, uh, let's go into the question from IPOV, which would be personally my husband. Interesting points, says Patrick. The corporate idiocy of meta in top-down design for the metaverse was a silly move. The addition of provenance has always been a key blockchain DLT advantage, distributed ledger advantage, or separate blockchain uh, providing databases. Um, now, if the mind can be tricked by VR, does this pose problems or issues for our liberty? 
even nefarious governments seeks to control us? Yes, the answer is yes. So I think that when when we consider um, how we should move forward in this new age of acceleration and the power of AI and VR as a as a manipulation machine that that can be used for nefarious reasons, we must start at a foundational level of how we can actually protect ourselves. And the number one thing that we should do is we should create a charter that recognizes that data sovereignty is a human right, and this should be recognized by the UN. And I believe that once we have that recognition of data sovereignty as a human right for all, then we can start creating a foundational level of creating blockchain systems, of creating digital identity in the blockchain that is recognized by governments as well. I mean, you can create a parallel system that does not require government, uh, you know, government recognition, but I think that it would be very beneficial for every, every citizen of the world to, to be recognized by the government and have their own self-custody data, data sovereignty. And I think that once you start with that, then you can also create AI agents. AI agents that are built to protect our, and, and identify and authenticate what we create, identify our digital identity and protect it from AI insurgency. And then of course, when you create that layer of protection for every human being on earth, then you can actually face forward into what we are, what we are experiencing. And if we are experiencing any kind of content nowadays, there's gonna be a lot of deep fakes. If you look at the next 2024 election, you're going to see a lot of AI manipulated content where people will not know what is real versus what is fake. And that's very dangerous. And that's, that's where I believe there should be government policy in place to actually force people to say what is real in what they present to the public versus what is not real. And, if, and as an additional layer, I believe that AI can be used to actually determine, you know, if you have an AI agent, as when you're, when you're actually looking at content that tells you statistically where the source of this information is from, whether it is AI created or not, whether it is authentically from a government or it could be from illicit uh, sources. The source of the information is important and whether or not AI has been involved in the creation of that. So AI can be used as a tool for our, us as individuals, AI agents, to help us see what's real versus what is fake. Well, you mentioned uh, governments, and it's quite interesting because I read it uh, with excitement. The fact that US court um, decided against AI-generated uh, pictures uh, to copyright them. So basically anything that you create using AI cannot be copyrighted. Your creative thought process can be, however, that poses quite an interesting threat. How do we know what is AI generated, what isn't? And I believe the technologies that will go into the data and extrapolate the info will be winning big here. What's your take on that? I don't think that government 
<laughs> the government needs AI also to, to assist them in monitoring what is real versus what is fake. Everybody does, mm. everybody, every institution, every government. AI, AI is going to be communicating with AI in the future, okay? My AI is going to communicate with yours, with the government, with the media. I mean, let's just, let's just say that AI is going to become a tool for us all to protect ourselves and to, to understand what is real versus what is not. And I believe with copyright, the copyright system will be in the blockchain. I mean, the archaic system of having a government agency that oversees uh, copyright that's manned by people will disappear. It will all be done by AI. And copyright will become a blockchain enabled enterprise solution. So oh. all of that's gonna be automated, right? So when we create anything and it's a blockchain powered by AI, that means if I create something in, in you know, mid journey, someone else creates something in mid journey, I believe that we will have the, we need to have a, a system that reads that data real time when it's published, it's already done real time automatically and, and connected to the blockchain with, authentic with authentication. That sounds like, um, uh, you know, a movie, a futuristic movie, because we know that uh, artificial intelligence is not really, um, well, is biased, let's face it. There is a lot of data that shows that, unfortunately, through the fact that there are lots of white men talking to white AI created by white AI dudes, it's very biased when it comes to the darker skin tone you have, the less usual uh, features you have on your face. So um, I'm wondering, what do you see uh, the world's going to be like in 20 years time, provided there is not another pandemic? This is why it's very important to basically, you know, support the digitization of the entire globe. Uh, digital access, uh, support the access of people all over the world to this technology. AI will be used as a way for us also to store our knowledge, right? Our cultural knowledge, the rich heritage of every culture will be stored in AI and presented through metaverse technology. Uh, this is the future where we are going to be creating a huge corpus of human civilization that's recorded in the blockchain uh, through AI. And I think we must basically support and enable people of all races around the world to participate in the acceleration of this technology. And I understand, yes, there is a bias, obviously, there is. And I believe that we just have to be aware and just support that this technology is also inclusive. And I think that a Web3 model of inclusivity is the way to go. I think that having closed AI systems is not a good thing. I think open AI is more of a, how would you say, a noble effort and a, and a more humanistic uh inclusive model so i am very wary of uh corporate centralization of the technology absolutely and that's only going to make it worse the bias is worse so having open ai systems 
that are integrated with Web3 is, is the answer. Fabulous. As we are uh, coming to uh, towards the end of our show, I mean, we have still a couple of minutes left. If you have any questions, please use your time wisely. Krista is in front of us. She's very busy lady uh, changing the world. And uh, I love it. Uh, you have efforts to create a better metaverse. Now, as we know, social connection is a very critical component for our mental health. It's been mentioned during our top uh, topic of discussion. We discussed similar topic, how video games can be beneficial to your mental health with Dr. Rachel Cowart. And she talked about the social connection as a number one um, benefit of using virtual reality. Now, Krista, as a, one of few women on the metaverse, why would you want to see more women? Because you're also preaching to have more female participation in the metaverse. More compassion, mm -hmm. more, more empathy. I, I think that the female energy in the space is very important because we are the ones that bring more humanity into the space. And as mothers, I, I have children. I have two teenagers, ages 13 and 15. I'm very cognizant about how this technology is going to be developed in the future. So the current protocols, and the reason why I'm involved in the space is because I want to be heard. I want to I want a seat at the table, and I want this technology to, de to be developed for the sake of humanity. I don't want it to become this market-driven enterprise that will be alienating us and using us as product or basically creating a dystopian future for my children and our children. I think that women think about future generations and about the welfare of their children, especially. So it's very important to have more women in the space. And of course, there's another thing. We need more women in the, in the metaverse to bring the mainstream into the metaverse. Now, the only way you're going to have the world come into the metaverse, a global shift of, of interest and use cases is if women are there first and if the majority of women enjoy it as well. So women will be in, in, interested in well-being, in beauty, in fashion, in aspects of you know, services that are enhancing our lives. This is this how women are, are wired. We are not the ones that want to create a casino <laughs> or to or or porn or you know it, I think woman actually civilizes and adds elegance and meaning to the metaverse where a lot of males can make huge mistakes. That's beautiful. I uh, can see a lot of beauty in uh, the way you talk, in the way you introduce to us Metaverse. I hope after this live stream, there will be more um, female members of the Metaverse. Uh, let's go into Patrick. He's been very busy here chatting. Let's just focus on the final question. Magnificent thinking, Krista, but how do we avoid the oligopolies that currently blight the existing internet, like Meta, 
for instance. That's uh, in regards to your idea of open space for everybody and beautiful word of metaverse for all. I believe that I believe that moving into a Web3 paradigm shift is going to be uh, the only answer. Um, you know, Meta was Facebook and Facebook is a, a social media enterprise. And I think that it's a centralized social media enterprise that used our data to finance its, uh, its business operations. So we became the product. They sell our data. Now, if, if we can create decentralized social media platforms, if blockchain technology can reach that level of sophistication where we can actually create these grassroots level, these community driven projects that are as big as Meta, then that would be the paradigm shift. I think that going forward, people have to understand the power of the internet of ownership, which is what Web3 is about and what the metaverse can be uh, facilitate through its UI, that you basically have, uh, you know, these systems of social media, for example, that are owned, operated, and everybody is involved in it because my network, bringing my network into this, this community is going to benefit the community and everybody wins, right? So centralized economic systems I think that that has been a major problem for us. And if we can create successful Web3 models that are still very capitalist, right? Because I am, I am still a capitalist, but with more social consciousness, with more equity, uh, fairness, and co-ownership and collaboration, I think that is going to be a major shift for it. And the fact that blockchain exists the fact that blockchain technology is only going to accelerate, especially now with AI, it means that it's going to be a major uh, com competition to Web2 companies going forward. So decentralization is not only, um, you know, uh, an ideology or, you know, um, uh, a vision of, of how economic systems can exist or even political systems. It is a technology. Right, so we will see how things unfold, but I predict that there will be much more decentralization moving forward once we have successful models built upon, you know, the strength of the technology and this, this technology is still very early, so. That's a perfect uh, time to segue into the quotation by Matt Mullerwerk. Uh, technology is best when it brings people together, especially, let me add, people who bring empathy, because empathy is my mojo, and empathy is critical when you're building an ecosystem, whether it's digital ecosystem or whether it's face-to-face um, -face ecosystem. And now, Krista, as we are heading towards the end of our show, tell us about your new exciting project. I mean, you're focused on mental health, you're helping more females uh, get into the metaverse. Tell us, what is Krista all about, apart from metaverse and art? 
Well, right now I, I am participating in uh, museum exhibitions globally. Currently I'm in an exhibition in Rome called the Metaverse Hypothesis at Polazzo Cipolla Museum. Uh, go and check it out if you're in town until July. Um, I'm also going to be participating in a show right now in Sanya, China. Uh, it is an exhibition until May the 4th, showing another meditative installation. I'm creating meditative experiences in the age of acceleration. But what I'm also very interested in is in the protocols for the future of digital identity and for education and health and wellness in the metaverse and with the power of AI. So I'm collaborating with Deepak Chopra, our company, Studio Zero, to create his AI-powered intelligent avatar, which will deliver uh, programming and wisdom uh, to heal millions of people around the world it's to scale, that's our goal. And so we are going to be launching that in January where I'll be speaking at Davos, presenting the technology as a the metaverse is a solution for the mental health crisis, the metaverse and AI actually, let's add AI there. And of course, um, presenting my artwork also at the conference. So this is a, a global initiative. This is a, a project that I'm very passionate about. And I believe that with the technology we have at hand, the most powerful technology that's revolutionizing the world, we should be able to deliver better solutions to make us happier, healthier, and better human beings. All I can say is namaste, Krista. Now, I, I cannot believe you are reacting differently in hot water. And speaking of hot water, Eleanor Roosevelt once says, women are like tea bags. We don't know our true strength until we are in hot water in life. How are you in hot water, Krista? <laughs> well, you know, my... Uh, how would you say this? I, I have been through uh, a very uh, stressful divorce. Um, I, I was in a narcissistically abusive relationship. And so in 2011, I fell into such a depression and, and, and I was highly anxious. I had to get out of that situation. It was very bad for my mental health. It was such a crisis situation. And also my children were very young, two, like two years old, two and four at the time. And I, I knew that I had to be of right mind and strong for them. So I decided to learn transcendental meditation. And after my daily practice of transcendental meditation over the course of 10 years, uh, this practice has truly revolutionized me and it helped me connect with who I am and also connect with my genius and help me you know, create this, uh, this mission that I have to serve humanity. And so it is an incredible story about surviving narcissistic abuse and um, coming out of that stronger and better and uh, flourishing and under any circumstances. And I think that, that the practice of mental health is very important. I know the beauty and the benefits of meditation on the human mind and potential. And that is why I want to deliver these experiences to people, even if they don't meditate, just to have it as part of the cultural discourse, exposure to, to beauty and the meditative experience. Um, yes. Beautiful. Uh, it's relatable um, as well, Krista. Mm -hmm. um, 
well done of going out of that uh, toxic relationship. I'm very excited to see a stronger woman because how can you be what you cannot see? And we can see a very strong metaverse representative of our female nation. Now, Krista, let's say it, pandemic is over. And let's daydream, you could travel anywhere in the world and you can invite any person in the world. Who would you like to have a private breakfast with and where? <laughs> I would love to be in the Maldives with Maharishi Yogi and um, uh, Yogananda <laughs> Yogi. Um, and uh, I would also like to be uh, with Steve Jobs um, and, uh, and with Oprah. <laughs> um, all, all at a lovely uh, brunch, Sunday brunch in Maldives, uh, overlooking the ocean. And of course, my children. Well, uh, it reminds for me to ask, would it be in virtual space or would it be in the real Maldives? Well, let me tell you something, Beata. In very in the very near future, once we have hyper intelligent AI avatars, we could bring these people to life. We could bring them into the metaverse. People who pass the icons that I mentioned, we could bring Oprah, Steve Jobs, Maharishi Yogi, um, and uh, oh my God, Yogananda, uh, Yogi, back to life, and we can sit with them and we can ask them for their advice this is the beauty of what the metaverse can deliver with ai and so think about the power of capturing human intelligence and knowledge for future generations to scale for billions of people and how much that is going to increase the awareness the intelligence of the average human being on earth mm. And capturing that moment, we can definitely record it and relieve it whenever we want or repeat it and have a different outcomes for our experience. Now, Krista, it's been very emotional. Um, I'm at the very uh, fragile state of mind. Uh, I just had a snooze before our show and I woke up uh, very tired, but it definitely boosted my, you definitely boosted my energy with calmness, with spirituality, with art, which plays very big role in my life, my life of my daughter and my uh, mother and my husband. I mean, I think, Art is so underappreciated nowadays that we are bombarded with our life. We do not spend enough time uh, going to physical uh, premises like, you know, art gallery. Um, now, let's go into the book you mentioned, Diary of Yogi by Yogananda. Tell us about that because uh, that, as I understand, is the book you wish you read before you started your career. <laughs> this is a book that Steve Jobs read every year, and it's highly recommended by most icons and leaders um, who, you know, who have a spiritual 
essence in what they do. It, it truly is a book that has inspired millions of people. And I came across the book by chance. I don't even know. I, I just came across it somehow through the algorithms in my Instagram or, or, or YouTube. And I, I started to read, uh, I started to listen to it on Audible and I'm only a quarter of the way, but it really is the personal life and journey of uh, Yogananda Yogi and how he became the very first uh, you know, spiritual leader from India to bring his teachings to the United States and to create a global phenomenon of spirituality. And so I'm very touched and uh, inspired by, because he went through a lot of struggles uh, as we all do when we are embarking in something new and revolutionary. But in the end, uh, he has touched so, all of our lives uh, and inspires us to this day. So I would love to bring him back in the metaverse to teach and to, to bring more of his wisdom to future generations, because I believe that it is through immersive experiences, through AI, that future generations will learn. I am mindful of the fact we are a time constraint and definitely we will see more of Krista hopefully in the digital space and if you want to catch up on her artistic work, you can definitely do so on your website. What's it called? My website is kristakimstudio.com and our uh, company's uh, website is zerostudio.ai, the number zero. Excellent. Krista, um, it reminds for me to ask you, what is your life lesson quote and how did it change you? So I, as you know, I'm a student of, of TM. I've been practicing transcendental meditation now for 10 years and it has changed my life for the better. I highly recommend meditation, any meditation practice. TM has been extremely instrumental in helping me become a better person, become who I am and healthy. There is a wonderful quote from Maharishi uh, Yogi, Yogi and his uh, quotation is, happiness radiates like the fragrance from a flower and draws all good things toward you. So the daily practice of meditation basically affects your energy to the point where you begin to attract good things into your life. And I have experienced this first time. It's almost like, I don't like to use the word manifestation, but I believe that there is an element to that where your, your composition, your consciousness, your energy, uh, that it radiates positivity when you have a spiritual practice and you're managing your mental health and you're in balance with the universe and good things come to you. You attract amazing people into your life. You attract incredible opportunities that uh, are in line with your values and your purpose on this earth. And your purpose on this earth should always be to serve. Mm. Beautiful uh, wrap up. I can only say that's it from episode 101 of Positivity Hacks Delivered Livestream. Thanks to our guest, Krista Kim. To stay updated and ensure you never miss a Positivity Hack Delivered, follow Women on IT and turn on notifications to be alerted once a video has been released. Next week, we are going to host Rita Ernst. And uh, before I go, I would like to thank very much 
Patrick IPO feed, in Patrick's opinion, Olga Vasina, who says brilliant show, Beata, thought-provoking and insightful from a magnificent woman on IT. Thank you, Krista. Thank you, Olga. Thank you all who watched our show. I hope you are going to look after your mental health. If, and if you need help, go out and reach out. Whether it's digitally, you can 